Welcome to this talk I offered on Insight Timer about one of the most important figures in Mahayana Buddhism, the Bodhisattva. It's based on a classic Indian text, the Bodhicaryavatara, and in this short talk I'll introduce a couple of important terms, including Bodhisattva and Bodhicitta, the heart-mind of awakening, and I'll read a few verses from the first chapter of the Bodhicaryavatara. Enjoy! So I just want to start with a little introduction to this amazing book, the Bodhicaryavatara. It is all about the Bodhisattva, who's a very important figure in Mahayana Buddhism. And um, so I want this to be just kind of a basic introduction to who is a Bodhisattva. <laughs> if you're interested in the Mahayana Buddhist path, Maybe you're interested in becoming a bodhisattva and trying to benefit all living beings. So I want to talk a little bit about who is a bodhisattva, um, some of the, the words uh, that will be helpful for understanding what a bodhisattva is, what they do, and also the two different types of bodhicitta, the awakening heart-mind um, that you can cultivate, that you can raise through the practice of well, the practices described in this amazing text. And then I want to read you a few verses that I find very inspiring from the Bodhicaryavatara. So please feel free to drop questions or comments in chat at any time. So first of all, let's just start with the most basic question. Who is a Bodhisattva? And I want to start by just breaking down the word Bodhisattva. So the word Bodhi literally means awakening. Sometimes if you're uh, new to Buddhism, you might have heard this term enlightenment, which is a term used by Western translators of Buddhism. Um, it has a lot of meanings, just both for, for better and for worse. Hello, Haseem, I'm glad you could make it. Um, it has a lot of different meanings. So I kind of prefer this term awakening, because really the heart of the Buddhist path is that it's as though we're asleep or like we're in the matrix. Um, I know I'm kind of dating myself and also being a super nerd by talking about the matrix, but I think most people are familiar with that, that series of movies where basically everyone's plugged into virtual reality. And when you wake up out of the matrix, you become free. So that's kind of the Buddhist path in a nutshell, except that when you wake up, reality isn't like depressing and gray and bland. Reality is amazing and technicolor. So anyway, Bodhi is awakening and Sattva means a being. So Bodhisattva is a being who has dedicated themselves to awakening specifically in order to benefit all living beings. So in this vision of reality, first of all, each of us has what's called Buddha nature, this like fundamental luminous mind that is awakened, that is full of compassion and we just have forgotten that that's our true nature. So every single one of us is capable of becoming a bodhisattva and ultimately becoming a Buddha. And Buddha is one who has fully awakened to the nature of reality. So in Mahayana Buddhism, Buddhas are able to manifest tons of different bodies. Uh, they're able to basically try to benefit living beings in whatever way it takes. So if you're familiar with the Dalai Lama, for instance, he is considered an emanation of the Buddha of compassion. So a Buddha is able to kind of emanate bodies into our physical world so that we're able to interact with them. Hello, Logan. Welcome aboard. I'm glad you could make it. Hello, Eric. Nice to see y'all. <clears throat> 
So a bodhisattva is a being who has committed themselves to awakening in order to benefit everybody. There is this idea that you could wake up and then just be like, you know what, I'm done. I'm out of here. Samsara is not my thing. I'm ready to be just in a state of ongoing bliss all the time. So we have that option too in Mahayana Buddhism, but we're really encouraged to 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 practice even from the beginning with this orientation toward awakening everyone. And it's not like a Buddha or a Bodhisattva can like, you know, just tap you on the forehead and boom, you become a fully awakened being. Although there are stories of, you know, things like that happening. People encountering a great master and just having this like awakening. Um, Often, at least in traditional accounts, that happens because that person who receives that awakening has done a lot of practice in previous lives, or they've just been putting in all the effort and they just needed that one last thing to kind of help them crack through, you know, their delusions. But anyway, that kind of blessing we're training to be someone like the Dalai Lama. Like if you've ever been in like a teaching that he gives or uh, just even a public talk, there might be like a a theater or, you know, a, a stadium filled with thousands of people. And as soon as he walks on stage, you can just feel the energy shift. Like everyone just gets this incredible boost. This is my experience of it anyway. I don't know if everyone gets this, but you just, you just feel looking at him and hearing him speak, you feel what it would be like to be this kind of open-hearted, vast, compassionate being. So we're training to be a being like that. And I just want to mention very quickly, the Tibetans translated bodhisattva, not exactly literally. They translated it as Jangjub Sempa, which means something like a spiritual hero. And part of the reason, so it's actually Logan who's on right now, who suggested um, this text, the Bodhicaryavatara, as maybe a good one for doing a talk on. Part of the reason that I wanted to do this talk, and if y'all are interested, you know, let me know in chat if you'd like a couple more talks on uh, on this text, the Bodhicaryavatara, the Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life. And maybe we can do a couple more talks. But basically, it feels really dark right now in certain ways. Mass shootings, war, pandemic, etc. And I feel that this is a great time for us to just get some inspiration. Like, if you're tuned in right now, odds are you are someone who has the capacity to open to to have this awakening mind kind of planted within you and to, and to put the work in to try to be a beacon of light in a time of darkness. The world needs bodhisattvas right now. It needs spiritual heroes. And, and this kind of leads into my first point, um, anyone can aspire to the bodhisattva ideal. It's not like you have to be a great meditator before you can be inspired by this bodhisattva ideal. The Mahayana Buddhist idea is from the very beginning of the path, you can hear about the bodhisattva ideal. You can hear about this idea that you personally, like not just anyone, like you can wake up and become a being capable of helping everyone 
understand what reality is about, helping everyone wake up. So, excuse me, maybe this is a good time to read the first verse that I wanted to share with y'all. There's a few different verses here, uh, sets of verses, really, um, from this book, The Bodhicharya Vatara, The Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life. It's by Shantideva, a 7th or 8th century Indian Buddhist master, and it's a great, great classic. It's one that basically everybody will get teachings on at some point if you study Tibetan Buddhism. And the first chapter, which is where I'm drawing all these verses from, the first chapter is really just inspiration. It's praise of bodhicitta. So before I read this, I guess I should explain what is bodhicitta. So bodhi, again, means awakening. And citta, it's often translated as mind, but especially those of us raised, exposed to Western ideas, we can really think of it as heart-mind. So, and it's associated with your heart center. So this this is not like your intellectual mind. This is like the mind, the will, the spirit that is dedicated to awakening. It's dedicated to your own awakening so that you can benefit all living beings, like not even just humans, but definitely all humans. Also animals. The Buddhist texts describe lots of different beings, many of which are not physical, but we're going to benefit all of them with this bodhicitta. And I just want to say, you know, I think sometimes we think of compassion which is similar to bodhicitta. Bodhicitta is that urge to awaken in order to benefit all living beings. So it's a profoundly compassionate impulse. And I think sometimes we think of compassion as weak or not able to really do much. It's like this kind of, oh, bless your heart kind of response, thoughts and prayers. That's not what bodhicitta is at all. It's an incredibly powerful mental state that can transform even ordinary circumstances into an opportunity to awaken and benefit all living beings, to become a spiritual hero. Not in the sense of like, look at me, look how enlightened I am, I'm going to tell you how to live, but the spiritual hero who's completely fearless because they have fully developed bodhicitta, the heart-mind of awakening. And they've recognized reality as it is. So there's no need for fear. There's no need to hold back with our compassion. You can offer it freely to everyone around you. We don't start there, (laughs) but that's the inspiration. So as I read you this um, verse from chapter one of the Bodhicharya Vatara, you just have that in your mind, that, that Bodhicitta is this incredible powers, this incredible force that can support our practice over lifetime after lifetime. That's the traditional view. So this verse begins by talking about the moment where we as sort of ordinary humans hear about bodhicitta, we hear about the bodhisattva ideal, and we become inspired by it. So this human lifetime in which we meet teachings about the incredible potential that we and all beings have, it's, it's such a powerful and important opportunity for us as living beings. So I'll just read this to you. This opportune moment when we hear about bodhicitta, we become inspired, is extremely hard to meet. Once met, it yields the welfare of mankind. 
If the advantage is neglected now, how will this meeting come again? So basically it's saying, if you feel inspired by bodhicitta, you don't have to hold back, even if you're not at all capable right now of benefiting all living beings. At night, in darkness thick with clouds, a lightning flash gives a moment's brightness. So, sometime, by the power of the Buddha, the mind of the world might for a moment turn to acts of merit. When it says the mind of the world, what that really means is we're mostly concerned with our own personal well-being. It's a worldly mind. So if we have a moment when our minds turn to benefiting all beings, waking up to the nature of reality, it's incredibly precious and rare and we shouldn't waste it. This being so, the power of good is always weak, while the power of evil is vast and terrible. What other good could conquer that, were there not the perfect awakening mind? Awakening mind here is their translation for bodhicitta, this incredible power that just, it propels our spiritual practice. Those who long to transcend the hundreds of miseries of existence, who long to relieve creatures of their sorrows, who long to enjoy many hundreds of joys, must never abandon the awakening mind, bodhicitta. So that's just a little introduction to the flavor of the text, the flavor of this inspiration that we can find by, for instance, reading about bodhicitta, reading this this text. Um, For those who weren't on at the very beginning, this is the translation of the Bodhicaryavatara. It's called A Guide to the Buddhist Path to Awakening, and it's translated by Crosby and Skilton. There are many translations. You can find it online, probably for free as a PDF, and, um, and read into it there. So, this bodhicitta, if it even sparks on for a tiny moment in our hearts, where we, where we aspire to live into this, goal, this ideal, we should never try and stamp out that flame, is what this is saying. This is our, our best chance, by ha- harnessing the power of bodhicitta, it's our best chance to both fuel our own practice and ultimately be able to benefit all living beings. So, <laughs> you might be wondering, okay, that sounds great, but like, I'm just a person, you know, trying to do a little spiritual practice here and there. How does this apply to me? Well, there are two types of bodhicitta. There's what's called aspirational bodhicitta, and then there's engaged bodhicitta. And I'll read a verse on this in a moment. But the bodhicitta of aspiration is what anyone can do. You hear a verse from this text, for instance, and you think like, wow, what is that? That sounds really amazing. I would like to cultivate that. Even just having that thought, I would like to cultivate that. I would like to become a Buddha, a bodhisattva, a spiritual hero who's able to alleviate the suffering of others. If you're having that thought right now, you're experiencing a moment of this aspirational bodhicitta. And that's great. I think often we don't celebrate enough the power of aspiration, the power of motivation. And that's what this first chapter is doing. 
celebrating just that moment when you have a spontaneous connection to bodhicitta. Maybe it sparks on. And that's step one. Step two is engaged bodhicitta. So that's when we've cultivated this aspiration to liberate all living beings, ourselves included, from all suffering, help everybody wake up to the nature of reality. Okay, so now what are we going to do about it? And that's basically what almost the entire rest of the text is about. Um, If you're at all familiar with Buddhism, you know it has many lists in it. So this is going to take us through uh, the six perfections. It's going to take us through wisdom, meditation, um, making skillful effort. It's, It's very similar in some ways to the Noble Eightfold Path, but not exactly the same. So the whole rest of the text is going to tell us, if you want to liberate living beings from all suffering whatsoever, here's what you can do about it. And it's the whole path. It's how to wake up, how to begin to question our assumptions about reality and start waking up into real reality in which everything is impermanent. There are no discrete selves. There's not a me over here and there's a you over there. We're all interconnected. So it's a very different vision of reality than what we usually are sort of raised to believe in and to experience. So second verse here that I want to read to y'all, or series of verses. These are all about the two types of bodhicitta, aspirational and engaged. The awakening mind, bodhicitta, should be understood to be of two kinds. In brief, the mind resolved on awakening and the mind proceeding toward awakening. So one is the wish to become awakened, and the other is actually walking the path. It's like the difference between Googling your route and getting in your car and starting to drive. The distinction between these two should be understood by the wise in the same way as a distinction is recognized between a person who desires to go and one who is going in that order. Even in cyclic existence, great fruit comes from the mind resolved on awakening, bodhicitta, but nothing like the uninterrupted merit that comes from that resolve when put into action. From the moment that one takes on that mind to release the limitless realm of beings from all suffering, with a resolve that cannot be turned back. From that moment on, though someone may doze off or be distracted many times, uninterrupted streams of merit like the bursting sky continuously pour forth. So basically, from the time that we really decide we're going to do it, we're going to go for it, we're going to walk this path to become a bodhisattva, like a fully realized bodhisattva, not just um, an ordinary being making the aspiration, from the time we really commit ourselves to doing that, It's like we've shifted what our spiritual practice is. Uninterrupted streams of merit flow forth to help us on the path. And it's also said that this is how you become, the language is a little outdated, a son or daughter, an heir is another translation, an heir of the Buddhas, one who's going to carry on their legacy. I said in the beginning, this is kind of a dark time and... We need all the light that we can get. And this bodhicitta, this mind of awakening, is an incredibly powerful beacon 
of light to the world. It's something that can help sustain us from the inside in our own spiritual practice. And the more deeply we practice, the more we're transformed by the Dharma. Whether that Dharma is Buddhist or Christian or Hindu or Muslim, like anything, the more we allow the truth to transform us, the more we're actually able to alleviate the sufferings of living beings. So that's all. This is just a short talk to maybe inspire us all. I know I feel more inspired than when I started to, to not discount our own flashes of powerful compassion, to not discount our own aspirations, to not write ourselves off. Maybe we're all baby bodhisattvas, but if we keep walking this path, eventually we become beings like the Dalai Lama who are capable of just an incredible amount of benefit, you know, awakening through some magical process, awakening that bodhicitta in others just by our presence, just by our kindness and caring. If you're still listening, thank you for making it all the way to the end. I have some free mini courses on some basic Buddhist ideas that you might be interested in, like the process of death and rebirth, the Four Noble Truths, meditation, and other topics, so please find a link to those in the show notes. Thank you, and may you and all beings be well.